All right. How we doing? How was y'all's week? Good so far? Is it? Um, did they were able to? What, uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, Gary. Yeah, I just told me that, Jason. I don't see him yet. We'll keep an eye out for him. Um, if you know people that would like to join us online, we can certainly do that. We can give you the uh, the link to do that. Is it okay? Can y'all hear okay on there, Jack? And all can y'all hear okay? Good. good. Okay. Good. Yes. Uh, yes. So we're trying fine. to make this accessible uh, for everyone. Um, good to see everybody. Always good to see Andy Coonrod. Best looking guy I know. <laughs> Good to see you, Andy. Um, Re Revelation. We're doing Revelation. It's been a whirlwind week. So, um, Revelation. <clears throat> we are in, uh, we're going through, kind of first pass through uh, the book of Revelation, just summarizing basically the, the parts or the components. Um, so, we're uh, turn over to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Um, I just got back last night from uh, from Atlanta, where we've taught uh, um, Bible study method to our first uh, first year seminary students, and uh, it's the the hardest part about reading the Bible is reading the Bible, actually reading it. Um, we've been taught to read it so um, weirdly. Um, and so that class is Bible study methods and hermeneutics. Well, <clears throat> it really doesn't need to be hermeneutics. And there's really not a Bible study method. Um, it's just reading. It's just reading comprehension. Um, but you've got to start a story at the beginning of the story. If you started, if you started any story at the end of the story, you'd have a million questions, right? Um, and the way that you'd answer those questions is to say, "Well, that's not how you you don't start it at the end. You start at the beginning." Um, but if we took, um, so I want us to think through where do we go after the Book of Revelation? Um, how do we? become good readers of the scriptures, readers of the story. Because um, the goal ultimately is for you to pick it up and understand it. Wherever you open up uh, the, the Bible, you can make sense of it. And it's just pretty plain. It really is very, very plain. Um, <clears throat> but our problem is we don't read this story like we read any other story. We've been taught not to. And so we need to go back and rediscover the Bible. We've taken our theology, we take our theology and we read it into the Bible to get our theology out of the Bible. And that's, that's no way to go, right? Um, Catholics will read it like Catholics and Presbyterians will read it like Presbyterians and Lutherans will read it like Lutherans and, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. And, and, uh, and then we're actually debating theology. We're not debating what the Bible is saying. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's start at the end. <laughs> With all that said, let's turn to the end. Um, turn to uh, to Genesis. Genesis. See, I can't do it. Uh, turn to Revelation chapter 20. Okay, chapter 20. You ready for this? I, I get paid for making all these profound statements. Um, chapter 20 follows chapter 19. Good. And then 19, 18, and Revelation follows the epistles, the epistles follow the gospels. And turn left. Just keep turning left. Keep turning left. Right. Um, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having keys, uh, having a key uh, of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Uh, the serpent of old. Where, where does the serpent appear in the story? Genesis, Genesis chapter three. That's good, Mike. I'm paying attention. He's my star student. That's good. Genesis chapter three. 
uh, all the way through. This is the uh, the adversary. Um, adversary of who? Yeah, he's really the adversary of God because he shows up on the scene. Uh, God creates man in his image according to his likeness. And then the, the, the serpent deceives the man by saying, uh, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely not die. Opposes the words of God in chapter 2, directly in chapter chapter 3. So he's really God's adversary. Do you know what uh, Satan, Ha-Satan means? Ha is the Satan. What might that mean? Satan is the transliteration. Uh, it means uh, in Hebrew, Satan is an adversary. It means the adversary. Right? So this is the Nakash, uh, the serpent, uh, the devil, the adversary. Right? And he bound him for a thousand years and he threw him into the abyss and sealed it over him. That he should not deceive the nations any longer, any longer. Deceive the nations any longer. When did that start? When did, when did the serpent start deceiving the nations? At the very beginning, right? And so the way that this story uh, spells out in Genesis chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3, uh, that God is going to put enmity between the woman and the serpent. Okay? Now, we've already established that, that the serpent is, on, is the adversary of God. He's on opposite sides with God. Correct? You with me? So the serpent and God are not on the same side. Yes? And then he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Okay? Uh, enmity, that uh, word is uh, where we, uh, oyev is the word in, in Hebrew. Um, you know a character in this, uh, in the Old Testament, whose name is oyev. Same root. Same, same, same word. Um, Job. Job. Does Job have an adversary in the book of Job? Remember, Satan shows up and he's accusing Job, right? So um, I will make uh, enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, right? And so the woman's adversary is Satan. God's adversary is Satan. Good. Um, uh, and so uh, you track this story, you track these genealogies through Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 5, through Genesis chapter 10. And this genealogy, the seed of the serpent, is populating the nations. Okay. Uh, one of the, one of the, you know, this is for an example, one of the, uh, the sons that's born down here. Uh, it's it, his name is Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim translated into um, into English is Egypt. This is Egypt. This is how the nations were populated. These descendants on this genealogy down here, uh, deceived by Satan, are populating the nations. And so this um, deceiving the nations began right at the beginning of the story. Now, Remember, chooses Abram to make him a great nation, reveals himself to Abram. And so these are the two store, uh, two tracks that the story is going to run. Does this make sense? Okay. Until a thousand years were completed, verse three. And then after these things, he will be released for a short time. And I saw thrones and they who sat upon them uh, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God those who had not worshipped the beast, nor his image, and had not received the mark. We talked about this last week. You remember the first uh, one to receive a mark or a sign? That's how, um, that's the word in the Old Testament that's used for mark is an oat. It's a sign. Uh, the first ones to receive a sign or a mark was Cain. Yeah, this, again, all of this is starting right at the beginning of the story, and it's running through the, the whole story. They received a uh, this mark on their on their uh, forehead and on their hand. Okay, stop. On their forehead and on their hand. Does that remind you of anything? What does it remind you of? These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall speak of them. Uh, hold uh, your finger here. 
Let's go back. See, everything that Satan does is in contrast to everything the Lord does. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, in contrast to what God is doing. He's opposing God. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a uh, section of scripture that we call the Shema. Uh, if, you're, if you know Jewish friends, they will know this, the Shema. Uh, why is it called the Shema? Because that's the first word in 6.4. Shema Israel Adonai 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 Hear. It means to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Uh, and uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, 6.5, with all of your soul, with all of your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you talk, will talk of them when you sit in the house, and when you uh, walk along the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. If I was a better teacher and more prepared, I would have, I could have stolen uh, some out of our Bible department locker and brought them to you. You, you, you may have seen this. Um, um, if you see an Orthodox Jew, when they're praying, they will have this, this strap that wraps around their arm, right? Uh, you shall bind them on your hand and you shall strap them on their forehead. And they've got a, what they call it, is it black? Um, uh, a little box with the scriptures in it. And they literally... Put it here. Well, it's not talking about literal. Okay? Um, what fills the heart? It's to fill your heart. It's to it's to control everything that you that you think about and everything that you put your hand to. Does that make sense, right? Uh, and so, so um, uh, what we're getting here in Revelation chapter twenty um, is the the antith and antithesis. My brain, my, I'm going antithesis, anti, anti, uh, sound it out, sound it out. <laughs> Antithesis, there we go. Yeah. Stick to the small words. The opposite, there we go. Ah, brains. Eight to five. Yeah, eight to five. Those poor students. <laughs> Bless their heart. Yeah. Um, David? Yeah. Reverse Yep. Second. Yep. The second sentence is the testimony of Jesus. The testimony for Jesus. All right, let's see. Uh, testimony to Jesus. What's going on here? Okay, Revelation 20. Revelation. That's not going to work. Revelation 20. All right. Let me put, share this so that our folks can see it. Share. Good. Okay. Revelation. All right. So let me look at it and see. Uh, we're, we're looking in verse of four. Um, Yeah. Um, okay. So, so uh, Dia is through or because of, because of the testimony that uh, it's actually not even testimony, it's witness. Well, it's, it's witness. These are uh, the disciples are called the, the disciples. This is the word and you will be my witnesses. This is the word. So because of the witness uh, of, of, of Jesus, it's, it's in the genitive. So that means uh, genitive. Well, you know, well, thank you for that. That clarifies it for me. Um, uh, genitive is, um, we would say, short of maroon. Okay? Um, that, that's genitive. Uh, short of blue. All right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just the, the witness of Jesus, the, the, the witness of Jesus or the testimony of Jesus. All right? Um, it's the most literal. Um, uh, now, think. Remember, this is John. Okay, John's writing this, right? And so, this is how John talks. Um, the word of God 
right? The word of God became flesh and tabernacled among us, the, the, the disciples, not, not among you, among us. Uh, and so uh, the words of the Father were given to the Son, and then the Son gives his words to the disciples. So they were given the words of Jesus. They were given the teaching of Jesus. Is it the teaching concerning Jesus, or is it the teaching of Jesus? Well, what's the difference? Is it the teaching of God or the teaching concerning? It, it's, it's one and the same. Uh, and so it's the same thing here. It's the testimony of Jesus. Is the testimony of Jesus a testimony for Jesus? Yes. Was it the testimony given to Jesus? Well, yes, it was. And it was, it was the testimony given from the Father to the Son, the Son to the disciples, the disciples passed down. Is this making sense? All right. So, so, so you will get a uh, um, different understandings. But I think we're all. It doesn't. For you, which it is. And all of the above. Good question. Okay. Receive the mark on their forehead. Uh, and they came to life and reigned for a thousand years. Yes. Don't be. Just raise. Just raise your hand. There, there are no dumb questions, but there will be dumb answers. The, the mark. It's that's a literal thing. In time, we're going to be able um, yeah, will this be a mark that is a, it's a good question? Um, one of our PhD students, I'm not going to tell you his name, like I will tell you, he's little not. Hello? Really? Um, he thinks that the mark is. Uh, uh, I don't know how to mute it. Okay. I'll, I'll get some. Bye. Face cover. <laughs> Mask. This guy's been a follower for about 15 years in the program. And, and we're too. We're too nice to throw them out. We, in the past, we've been too nice to throw them out. Uh, but uh, last week, uh, they asked me to overtake, take over the PhD program, and, uh, and I'm going to throw them out. This might be why they asked me to do this. And I'm going to wear a mask when I do it. <laughs> the short answer is, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, they, uh, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a mark that you can see, but they do worship the beast. Right. They align themselves with Antichrist. They align themselves against uh, the Lord, against Christ. Now, remember, uh, hold your finger. Go back to 1 John chapter 4. So we're in John's writings. It's always helpful to understand what the author has said about this, because you know he believed what, you know, he, uh, he knows what he wrote. Okay. This is in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, uh, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Okay? Uh, the Jews in the Gospels, uh, the Pharisees, reject the Christ. They reject Jesus as being the Christ. They reject that Jesus has come in the flesh. The Christ has come in the flesh. Does that make sense? So they would have the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and is now in the world. All right? Um, so the spirit of Antichrist is those who reject Christ. Did you used to have the spirit of Antichrist? Okay. Before you believe. That's, the, that's our raccoon that runs across so every week. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so so uh, if you have rejected or if you reject Christ, that's the spirit of Antichrist, right? Uh, the spirit of God has not convicted you of your sin and convinced you that Jesus is the Christ. And so these, these ones who have received the sign, I don't know if it's a physical sign, but I do know this, uh, that they, uh, they, worship, uh, they worship Antichrist. Uh, they worshiped the beast uh, um, and those who had the testimony of Jesus because of the word of God. Remember the word of God become flesh and tabernacle. Um, those uh, uh, who had worshiped the beast or they had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark upon their forehead and upon their hand. Okay, So that language there makes me think that it's not visible. Um, um, okay, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the 666, the number of the beast, um, the oldest manuscripts that we have. So, so the earliest manuscripts of the book of Revelation we have, it actually reads 616, uh, not 666. Um, um, and that uh, so there's a lot of speculation on, on why that is yeah, on why that is um, well um, yeah maybe not maybe not it's not overly difficult to stay away from 666 and 616 <laughs> I got to tell you though, I'm not I'm not very good at opening my emails. <laughs> but if uh, yeah, really, does that shock anybody? <laughs> um, but but right now I've got 337. But, but but if it gets to 666 or 616, I just start opening and deleting. You know, just I don't want to be around that number. Confession there. <laughs> yeah. Hey stupid. Hey stupid. Yeah. Yep. Hey stupid. Yep. Um. And the rest of the dead did not, not come to life until after uh, the 1,000 years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Okay, now well, let's talk about this. Okay. Can they see me? Uh, let's, thank you, Kate. Um, okay. Um, where do we start? Uh, turn back to, uh, I don't know, where are we go? Uh, Isaiah. I guess we could go to Isaiah 26 first, uh, Daniel uh, 12, um, and John chapter 11. Let's, let's do those those three. Those would be good good uh, examples. Okay, now go back further. Go back to Genesis three. Let me go back to Genesis three. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Are we all shocked that we actually end up in Genesis? In Genesis chapter three, uh, right after the fall, okay, this is how complete this story is. How how it, it is just so consistent through the whole of scriptures. You remember the story, the story, the fall, and, uh, and the Lord comes on the scene. And he begins with Adam. He says, "You know, have you eaten from the tree of uh, the fruit which I commanded you not to eat?" Say in the day three before. Uh, he says, "The woman you gave me, uh -huh. right?" And then. She says, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then uh, chapter 3, verse 14, um, um, uh, the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all of the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Guess that? Dust you shall eat. Um, then there's this enmity between the woman and the serpent. These two sides are spelled out. Skip down to verse um, uh, verse 18, uh, halfway through 17. Cursed is the ground on account. Uh, the, uh, then God said to Adam, verse 17. Then he said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Uh, Adam's name is Adam. Uh, his name is Adam because he was created out of the Adamah. Adama means ground. Okay. Uh, whenever you hear a Hebrew word with the AH on the end, that's either feminine 
or it could be if it's J A H, then that's Yah at the end, Yahweh. Right? Eli Yah, Elijah, Eli Yah, my God is Yahweh. Uh, but if it's just A H, uh, that's a feminine. Adama, uh, the ground, it's a feminine noun like La uh, Fajita. All other languages do this except for English. Uh, nouns are either masculine or feminine. Uh, the ground is feminine. Adam was created out of the Adama, not to go back to the Adama, but now he's going to go back to the uh, Adama. And not only is he going to go back to it, but now the Adama, the ground, is cursed because of him. In toil or in sorrow, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it will grow for you. You shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. Uh, you will eat bread until you return to the Adama. Go back to the ground, because from it you are taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Okay. Um, going back to the dust in this story is not a good thing. Um, a little later uh, in this story of Genesis, um, Abram is asking about this promise that has been given to him. Um, and uh, he's told that uh, his seed, his descendants, will be like the sands of the seashore, uh, like the stars of the heavens. Multitude, there'll be a bunch of. Later, uh, asking why this hasn't happened yet, the Lord says to Abram, I will make your seed as the dust of the field. Well, that's not good. What's going to happen there? They're going to die, okay? Uh, well, then, what's their hope? What's the hope for Adam? What's the hope for all of the descendants of Adam, of, of Abraham, uh, resurrection? Turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Okay, Now, what this story is looking for is a woman uh, who is going to give birth uh, to this one who's going to remove the curses. Okay, All the way from the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, the promise given to Eve, you're tracking that promise through the nation, down through the lineage, down to the tribe of Judah. Uh, and so this is a, uh, chapter 26 is a lament um, that uh, Isaiah chapter 26 is a lament that they have not yet accomplished this. Um, oh Lord, I'm in verse, uh, let's pick it up in verse uh, 16. Oh Lord, they sought you in distress but they could only whisper a prayer talking about Israel um, being judged. Uh, your chastening was upon them. As the pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, she rises and she cries out in labor and pain. Thus were we before you, O Lord. We were pregnant. We writhed in labor. We gave birth as it were to win. We could not accomplish deliverance for the land the earth, nor the inhabitants of the world fallen. Or the, uh, or I'm sorry, nor the, it's translated inhabitants of the earth, New American Standard, uh, begotten or born. Um, do you remember Ezekiel uh, 37, dry bones? Uh, the dead will stand up and flush with mongrel and and then they're standing there, and, and uh, Ezekiel laments and says, <clears throat> but they're not alive. And, and so he prophesies to the Spirit, and the Spirit enters back into this, right? All of this is talking about the, the, same, the same thing. Um, um, that chapter 37 of Ezekiel follows chapter 30. This is great. Y'all are catching on. Good. In chapter 36, um, Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the land of Israel, to the actual land. Okay? In 36.12, um, uh, the Hebrew translates, I will cause my people Israel to walk upon you again. In the Septuagint translation of the Hebrew, it reads, I will cause my people Israel to be begotten upon you again. Begotten again. Uh, begotten. How else do they translate the God? It's Gana'a. This is Jesus' discussion in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. Unless you are begotten again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. He says, huh? 
He says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know this? And then he starts talking about uh, the, the, uh, the water and the spirit. This is all out of Ezekiel chapter 36. But if you're not resurrected in the land, you're not going to see the kingdom of Nicodemus. And he's going, what? He goes, how do you not know this? This is what the whole story is about. Are you with me? Now, how will you be? The, the guarantee of how you will be begotten again is through faith. You're born again through faith. You receive the spirit. And that is your down payment, your seal, that you will receive everlasting life, eternal life through resurrection. Okay? We're talking about the same thing here, that uh, your, uh, the fallen ones of the world will be begotten, be begotten. Your dead will live. Your corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust. There we go. Awake. Shout for joy. For the dew is as the dew of the dawn. And the earth shall give, uh, uh, give birth to the departed spirits. Come, my people, enter into your rooms and close your doors behind you. Hide for a little while until indignation runs its course. When does indignation finally stop and it's run its course? He puts an end to the indignation. Christ. Not elections, not governments. Christ. For behold, the Lord is about to come out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth shall reveal her bloodshed and will no longer cover her slain. In that day, okay, just keep reading past chapter breaks because Isaiah did not stop and write, okay, now chapter 27. He just keeps right on going, okay? In that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. There he is again. Uh, this is what's happening in chapter 20 of Revelation. You're watching this. With his uh, fierce and great and mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent. Do you remember the sword that comes forth from the mouth of the Christ who comes. That's what we read last week in chapter, chapter 19. And he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea. Okay? In the sea. Uh, this is Satan's domain. In the Old Testament story, uh, the, the serpent dwells in the sea. The beast nations that rule over Israel come out of the sea. Okay, uh, Turn back over quickly uh, to, to Revelation chapter 21. Let me show this to you. This is a new heavens and new earth. The first earth had passed away. I'm in 21.1. And there was no longer any sea. Okay. But Satan no longer has any domain, domain in the new heavens and new earth. Just making sense. You're just reading right along. Okay. You don't have to create stuff. You don't have to make it up. But you do have to read the story. Okay. Um, uh, yesterday in class, we were I was we were going through um, trying to show them uh, towards the end of our time together. We were together uh, for about three hours Thursday night, and then nine hours uh, what's the next day oh, Friday, and then uh, nine hours on Saturday, eight about eight hours. And towards the end, we were walking in through a whole book, so we did the whole book of Galatians. And I was asking them questions, you know, what does that mean? And that man, they're they're jabbering all kinds. I said, no, just stop. I'm just asking questions. Just to stop. Let's see if we can figure this out by reading it. Um, because what we tend to do, what I tend to do, what I've learned to not do, I've, the Bible has caused me to realize I don't know anything. Even when I think I know, I don't know. And I realize that I'm just, you know, Paul's talking, and I keep interrupting this. He said, would, yeah, he probably wouldn't, well, he, he, Paul would probably say this. Would you shut up and let me finish? Paul would say that. Um, Peter would probably say that. <laughs> I'm so sure Jesus would, but uh, but I keep interrupting. Right? Uh, just read, just read. Okay. Okay. What other passages? Uh, Daniel. Uh, turn turn to Daniel. Okay. So uh, Daniel nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Uh, remember uh, the book of Daniel. What's going on in Daniel? Do you remember? Um, Israel is this promised nation. Uh, they're going. They were to be a, a, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. They were to to be a light to the Gentiles. Okay, they didn't do it. They went down and served the gods of the nations. They went down and served uh, Satan and his gods of the nations. And so 
They're kicked out of the land per the covenant. Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, blessings and curses. If you're obedient, I'll bless you in the land. But if you reject me and reject the, the rock of my salvation, the promise of Christ, because that's what you do when you reject the Lord, you reject his deliverance and his deliverer, okay? which is what Israel does in the Gospels. Uh, then I will disperse you among the nations. Diaspora is the word in Greek. Uh, you're going to see this even in the New Testament. Uh, Book of James, to the 12 tribes dispersed, greetings. Okay? First Peter, writing to those who are dispersed throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia. And everything else. Okay? So you're going to see this continue right through the New Testament. Okay? They're going to be scattered. Um, they're going down to Babylon. Um, I told my students, it's, it's funny, it's every time I said uh, to my seminary students, uh, there's only one verse you know in all of Jeremiah. And they all get because they knew what it was. It's 2911. Uh, so we read 291-10. And in 291-10, uh, the Lord tells them, uh, pack your stuff, settle in, because you're going to Babylon for 70 years. Pray for the welfare of that city. So it goes for them, so it goes for you. Because, you know, but then after those 70 years, uh, uh, well, he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future and a hope, a, a welfare and a hope. Now, that, that word welfare or future, that same word was used uh, back there. Uh, pray for the welfare of the city. So it goes for them, so it goes for you. For I know the plans I have for you to give you a uh, well, for a future and a, and a hope. What's the hope of, the, of every believer in this story? Is it returning from Babylon? So I tell the students, I probably told you all this. Uh, Daniel was one of the first, he was the, in the first of three waves that, that is hauled out of, uh, out of Jerusalem and taken to Babylon. He's just a kid, I don't know how old. Text doesn't say, probably very young. Um, let's say he's six, seven years old, something like that. At the end of 70 years, he's 77. There isn't much of a future and hope left in your sentence. I'm 51 and I don't want to walk. I tell some of my students, uh, from our from our house to our uh, to the shop, if there's a four-wheeler there, I'm gonna get on it. It's like 50 yards, you know. <laughs> they walked to Babylon. And they're not going to go to the you know first Babylon airport and catch the first plane back to Jerusalem. That's not how this is going to work. They're going to walk back. Well, at the in the in chapter nine of Daniel, Daniel is reading the book of Jeremiah in a place where it says seventy years and seventy years are up. Now remember, nine follows and and six and five and four three and two right. And so in chapter two and chapter seven. It has been revealed to Daniel that there are going to be these four nations coming in succession, and then a remnant of those nations or a composite of the, of the last nation that's going to rule over Israel. And he's just at the end of the first. This is seven years. He's just at the end of the first nation. So he says, Lord, what's going on? I mean, time to go back? The Lord says, you didn't repent. And so in Leviticus chapter 26, if you don't repent, Israel, then I will pour out my judgment upon you sevenfold for your sins. And so 70 times seven have been decreed for you and for your people. And he tells them when this clock's going to start and, and it's going to run for 70, uh, 69 weeks. And then there will be another delay. And then there will be this 70th week. Okay, So this is all spelled out in chapter 9. Uh, chapter 10 and chapter 11. In chapter 11, Daniel walks them right through uh, their history. And then he says in chapter 11, verse 36, um, well, verse 35, at the end of verse 35. So we're, we're walking through Israel's, uh, Israel's history uh, as they are being ruled over. The chapter begins with Persia, and now it's being ruled over by Greece. And then uh, Daniel in chapter uh, 11, verse 35. Five looks forward to the end, and he says, uh, and some of those will have insight, will fall, and will be refined, and 
purge and make pure until the end time, until the last week, because it is still to come in the appointed time. Then the king will do as he pleases. And so now we jump into the, that last time, that 70th week, 36 to the end of the chapter. And halfway through this chapter, um, or halfway, halfway through this 70th week, it says, uh, now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of Israel, will arise. Michael, the great prince who stands guards over the sons of your people, Israel, will arise. And there will be a time of such distress as such as has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found in the book, uh, whose name is found written in the book, shall be rescued, shall be saved. And those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Kraken, it doesn't give the timing, but it does give when these things are going to happen. Everyone's going to be raised. Believers and unbelievers are all going to be raised. Okay, turn, turn over to John chapter 11. Um, Jesus has come to give life, correct? Is that? Yeah. Um, what kind of life did Jesus come to give? Uh, all right, let's look at, uh, let's see, John 10, 10. Okay. Uh, to give uh, life excessively or, or however we translate that okay uh, so let's talk about this uh, this life that, that john presents okay so what we're going to do is we're just uh let me move this over here so we can see this uh and let me show this to people online i'm getting good at this i can almost multitask now not quite there yet but all right in him was life, and life was the light of men. What I'm doing is I'm tracking the word life, which is zoe, uh, zoe, life, through the gospel. Okay, Chapter 3, verse uh, 15. So whoever believes in him will have eternal life, everlasting life. You see that everlasting life? Okay, uh, um, That is the phrase, that's the exact phrase that comes out of Daniel 12, 2. Okay. Uh, the first time that the everlasting life or life everlasting or something like that, the first time that phrase shows up, guess what book? Genesis. Yeah, Shocker. Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Left, lest they send forth. So God expels man from the garden, right? Stations the cherubim or the, the angels there to guard the way back to the garden. Lest man send forth his hand and take and eat from the tree and live forever. There it is. That's the first time. Uh, uh, have life eternal. Live forever. They're all going back to the dust. What's the answer? Christ is the answer. Through faith, you're going to be raised out of the dust. Okay? So that everyone who believes have faith in him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. What does that mean? Those who sleep in the dust of the ground will be raised to everlasting life. Eternal life. To never experience death again correct yeah he who believes in the son has eternal life he who does not obey the son shall not see life what kind of life eternal life. but the wrath of god abides on him pointed out to our students that um that god's wrath is not on one's sin god's wrath is on the sinner not the sin We've been taught differently. God loves the sinner, hates the sin. No. God's wrath is on the sinner. Because you've rejected the son. He who does not believe, uh, he who believes has eternal life. He who does not believe, who does not obey the son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Right? 
uh, living water, that's the spirit, living water, that's the spirit. Um, chapter uh, four, come to the well of uh, springing up to eternal life. This is the one who gives the living water, the spirit for eternal life. Okay, Eternal life, gathering fruit for eternal life, 413. Okay. Um, uh, son is, uh, say that his son is living so that they will believe and have eternal life. Your son lives to have eternal life. Um, this is getting all of the, uh, just as the father raises from the dead and gives life, what kind of life? So also the son gives life, what kind of life? Eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you, hear, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has. This is just chapter five. How many times are you going to say this? Right? Eternal life, eternal life, uh, will live, uh, eternal life, uh, just as the Father has life in himself, gives life to the Son. A few verses uh, later, uh, eternal life, that life becomes clear. Right? You getting this? All the way through. Uh, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. 56 times. It's talking about life. It's talking about eternal life. In John 10 10, he has come that you may have your best life now. Uh, no. Just think about what John says to his disciples. If the world hates you, know what? It hated me first. Don't be shocked at that. Coming to Jesus is not going to make your life better for a while. Now the enemy has, uh, is against you. The adversary is against you. And what's his desire for you, Mr. Believer, Mrs. Believer? Kill you. Destroy you. He hates your guts. John chapter 11. Turn over to John chapter 11. So this is the very next chapter, John chapter 11. Um, John chapter uh, 11. Now there's a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, um, the village of Mary and her sister. And it was the Mary who had anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And his sisters therefore went to him saying, Lord, behold, uh, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When therefore he had heard that he was sick, he stayed on there two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go again to Judea. And his disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews are seeking to stone you to death. Uh, the Jews are now seeking to stone you. And you're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, in the light, in the life, that's John's language. He does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Yeah, there's a light coming into the world, gives life to every man, gives light to every man. All right, that's John chapter one. You can't forget John chapter one when you're reading John chapter two, and you can't forget John one and two when you're reading John chapter three and four and five. It's all, it's just, and 11, yeah, and 11, and 20 and 21, maybe, all right? Or Revelation, you can't forget any of these parts of the story, the further you go into the story. Verse 11, and he said, and after uh, this he said, and then after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go that I may awaken him out of his sleep. Those who sleep in the dust of the ground will be raised to everlasting life, others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And the disciples who are so acutely aware of their Old Testament understanding, say, um, well, if he's asleep, he'll wake up, right? So why are we going? Bless their heart. 
Uh, Mary and Martha get it exactly. They know exactly what's going on. They don't. The disciples don't. Lord, if he's falling asleep, he'll he'll wake up. He'll he'll recover. He'll be saved. He'll be delivered from his sleep. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. Then Jesus said, therefore, to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. Believe what? King raised the dead. But let us go to him. Therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus, Thomas plays a central role here. Uh, he, he names the game. Uh, he gains the name Doubting Thomas later in the story, chapter twenty. I can identify with with Thomas unless I see those hands, unless I put my fingers in those holes. I'm not going to believe. So when Jesus came, he found that he was already in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem; it's two miles off, just right over the hill to the would that be southeast, just right over the hill. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha from Jerusalem to console them concerning their concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him. And Mary sat in the house. And Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And she says, Lord, I'm not stupid. I know about Daniel 12, too. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is the point. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. What does that mean? Okay, so if he believes and he dies, he will rise again. And he uh, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What does that mean? They will never undergo the second death. Lives, believes, dies, raised, never undergo death again. That makes sense? Pretty straightforward. Uh, now, if you reject, live, don't believe, die, raised, judged, die again, second death. Pretty literal, right? Pretty very straightforward. Okay, back to Revelation chapter 20. This is what we're talking about, okay? So now we're getting the timing of who's raised when. The believers are raised before this uh, thousand-year reign of Christ. Uh, but the rest of the dead will not come to, to life until after the thousand years. All right? So those who are raised first, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who, uh, who shall be part of the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. Make sense? Very plain, simple, straightforward. Right? But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. This doesn't, you see how plain this interpretation becomes when you know the Old Testament story, when you know the scriptures are leading. There's no allegory. There's no hard interpretation of the, the imagery that is in the, the, the book of Revelation is either explained by John in Revelation or it has already been established in the story. Making sense? Back in. All right. When the thousand years are completed, verse seven. So Christ is going to return, reign for a thousand years. Um, at his return, uh, the believers in Christ will be raised from the dead, uh, reign with him for a thousand years. Then at the end of the thousand years, uh, the rest will be raised, okay, the unbelievers. At the end of the thousand years, uh, Satan will be released from his prison. It will come, uh, he, uh, and he will, uh, will come about to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. They will uh, come up on the broad plain of the earth and be surrounded uh, and sur uh, surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. 
and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. They were already thrown in in chapter 19. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a white throne and him who sat upon it uh, and those whose, uh, from uh, whose presence the earth and the heaven fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and the books were open. And another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead the dead which were in them, and they were judged, everyone according to their deeds. Do you want to be judged according to your deeds? No. I don't want any of my deeds to even be considered. Yes? Um, who? For whose death? The yeah, it's a thousand. They're, they're in there for well. Um, this is uh, <coughs> all the unbelievers are in there until they're raised. Um, the ones who have gathered to make war against the, the Christ in chapter 19, um, um, 11 and following, um, they're in there for a thousand years. And so there's going to be two judgments. There's the judgment seat of Christ at the beginning of the thousand-year reign. Uh, this is where believers are judged on, um, on their faithfulness. Let's just say it that way. We'll talk about that in a moment. And this is how they will reign. The position of their ruling with Christ will be determined by how they live their lives. Well, I want to return back to that because that's really important. Okay? Um, and they reign with Christ for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand year reign, there is the great white throne judgment. Okay? Uh, and the books are open. If your name isn't in the book of life, then you're judged by your deeds. Do you deserve to be in the kingdom? Or, nope, you're dead. Go, right? So they're judged. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he's thrown into the lake of fire. Forever. This is the second death. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? The old heaven and the old earth had passed away. This is a... Um, not a, uh, there's a lot of the, there's not a lot of debate. There was a discussion, but not a lot of debate about whether this was a different heavens and earth or a remade heavens and earth. It's a remade heavens and earth. Uh, the promises that were made, the the edict that was given, "Let us make man in our image according to our likeness," is not fulfilled, completed. Until the new heavens and new earth. When all sin, all sickness, all death, all sorrow, all suffering, all of God's uh, created uh, humans, man, has the image of God. It has the character of God. Does that make sense? And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Okay, let me stop. Well, how much time? Um, man, this is going fast. Um, Let's talk a minute about, okay, so next week we'll pick it up and let's do this. Let's, next week we'll pick it up in the New Heavens, New Earth, chapter 21. Good. I don't want to leave our discussion today uh, with, uh, uh, without talking about um, uh, rewards. Okay. Um, I remember talking with, with uh, one of my friends, Charlie Bayless, um, and we were talking about um, there at the end of Matthew, uh, that that uh, Jesus separates the sheep and goats, um, and these believers are rewarded. Um, they're trying to figure out what they did. They don't know what they did. 
He says, well, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something. When? When did we do this? Remember his answer? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And one of the things that I forced our students this, what, this weekend to realize uh, was that we talk in the church about uh, the relationship with Jesus, personal relationship with stuff. And I don't think we've thought through what that means. In this story, and we, and we can go to, to Paul in all of his letters. You pick the letter, I can show you where it is. Um, every writing of John, every writing of Peter, they all say the same thing. Uh, remember, we mentioned doubting Thomas. And Jesus says, because you have uh, seen, you believe. Blessed are all those who did not see, talking about the Old Testament song. And they believed. See, they believed without seeing. They believed without uh, touching or, or feeling. And so John the Baptist, uh, uh, Jesus says, blessed are you because you see. Talking to his disciples, blessed are you because you get to see the things that they long to see. Right? And then going forward, John says, that which we have seen, which our hands handled, what we've heard concerning the word of life, we reveal to you, believers, readers of this text, so that you will have fellowship with us as our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. See, because the truth of the matter is, you've never seen Jesus. Have you? Now, I tell my students, look, you're going to have to, there's two things that you're going to have to do to succeed in seminary. Number one, you're going to have to start to think like a five-year-old again. Five-year-olds ask great questions, logical questions. They haven't been indoctrinated with a list of answers to questions that they're supposed to ask. Right? So they're still asking good questions. They're still thinking, well, wait, why is that? I give an example of when, when our boys were little and they asked questions that one time I was walking by James's room. He says, Papa, yeah, but always wanted to talk when it was time to go to sleep. So I think he was stalling. But anyway, as Jesus says, this is five-year-old. Jesus is God, right? Yeah. He says, but he's a man. I said, uh, yeah. He says, how's that work? <laughs> I don't know, son. Hypostatic union, go to sleep. <laughs> what a great question. Five-year-old. You got to think like a five-year-old, and you're not allowed to use church talk. Okay? You're not allowed to say things you don't actually know what they mean. Right? And so you're going to have to think through, what do I mean when I say this thing that I've heard my whole life? Personal relationship with Jesus. What does that mean? If you've never seen him, you've never heard his voice, you've never touched him. What does that mean? The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, convicted you of your sin. You believed in Him, even though you've never seen Him, you've never heard His voice. And now you are, listen to the language, in Christ. What does that mean? It means you were baptized into one body through one Spirit. Body of what? Whose body? Christ's body. <clears throat> so you do great in seminary, right? Logical thing, you do great. And the Christ body, which is the church. And so you have a relationship with Christ because you are in relationship with his body. Does that make sense? This is all of Christ you're going to know until you see him. Our hope is in heaven. Why? Because that's where Jesus is. The head of the body. So we've been told. We've been told how to live in the body. Um, so when you care for those in the body who can't care for themselves, whose body are you caring for? Christ's body. Christ's body. 
which comes back to your motivations. Paul says that uh, you're going to be judged by my gospel when God reveals uh, the hearts of men. Reveals your heart. Can you have an orphans and widows ministry because you want to brag about having an orphans and widows ministry? And are you doing that for them or are you doing that for you? Are you doing what you do because you think you're going to get a reward for it? I got news for you. You're going to get a reward for that. You can't beat this system, I'm telling you. Uh, the last will be first. I told you this before. I remember thinking through this. I'm like, I know I can beat it. Smart enough to beat it. Let me think. I will sacrificially go last so that I can be first. No, you'd still be last. You just be last both times See, because your motivation was being first. You didn't care about your brethren. You are just worried about being first. So I said, well, let's see. Well, then I'll sacrificially go first so that my brother will be last so that he can be first, but then I would be more sacrificial than him. Then I could be. Well, no. well, at least you'd be first the first time, but you wouldn't be first the last time. You'd still be last. No, your motivation has got to be you actually have the, the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ. You care for these people. And then you're given crowns for this. You go, Lord, what did, what did I do to deserve this? Do you remember what the saints do with these crowns they're given? They throw them at the feet of Jesus. I'm not worthy. You're reading the uh, book of Luke. That's what all the believers figure out. Remember in Luke chapter, uh, is it Luke chapter 7? There's a story of the centurion who has a slave who's sick. And the Jews say, oh, you need to help him, Jesus. He's worthy. He, he loves our people. He's helped build the synagogue. He's worthy. And while Jesus is coming, the centurion sends his friends. He says, tell him, go tell Jesus, I'm not worthy. I'm not even worthy that you would come into my house. You just say the word. And my slave will be good. Uh, I'm a, I know how this works. See, I'm a, I'm a Roman a soldier. I have people under my care. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And this one, do this, and he does it. So you say the word. Go tell them I'm not worth. So you're going to be rewarded for how you care for people, not so that you will be rewarded. Can't be change all right. Close word of prayer. We're done. Lord, thanks for our time today. Uh, thank you for these folks. Um, thank you for our church, for our pastor. Thank you for the word that you've given us that changes who we are, changes our hearts. Help us to be faithful as we live in the body of Christ, as we await our King who comes from heaven. So it's in his name we pray. Amen.